Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello and welcome. My name is Jaquel Lane and I am your hostess with Education with an Edge, the podcast dedicated to all children because every child matters and that is what we believe. And I could not be more excited and honored to have Lee Perez, the Nebraska Teacher of the Year, here with us today. So welcome, Lee. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, he is one of the most humble individuals that I know, but I am going to read your extensive um, biography. So Lee Perez is a fifth through eighth grade English as a second language teacher at Alice Buffett Magnet Middle School in Omaha, Nebraska. Lee holds an Associate of Arts degree from Mid Plains Community College and a Bachelor's of Science degree in secondary education from the University of Nebraska, Omaha. Go Mavs! He holds two teaching endorsements, grades 7 through 12 in social sciences and PK through 12. Perez has taught for 15 years in a very diverse urban Omaha public school district. He has spent the last three years teaching ESL at Alice Buffett Magnet Middle School. Perez also coaches boys cross country and track and field at Buffett. He has received several recognitions for his efforts as a teacher and received the 2021 Award for Teaching Excellence through the Nebraska State Education Association and was also named a Cox Communication Omaha Education Hero. He is also a part of the Commissioner of Education's Teachers Advocacy Committee, the Hispanic Chicano Representative for the Ethnic Minority Affairs Committee, and a member of the National Education Association Teachers of Color Cohort. Lee is passionate about multilingual education, culturally responsive teaching pedagogy, and being an advocate for more English learner training and awareness for all teachers. Lee believes in diversifying the teaching workforce in Nebraska and nationwide by recruiting and retaining more teachers of color, which is so very important right now. Um, In the classroom, Lee has unique challenges teaching English language learners. He takes a comprehensive approach to reach his students by combining culturally responsive teaching and language learning engagement strategies. In doing this, Lee teaches his students a new language and a new culture while celebrating their background and cultures in the classroom. And thank you so much once again for being here with us today. So thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Um, So, Lee, I think it's so important to start from the beginning of your story to fully understand um, your passion and your presence and why education is such an integral part of your life. And so can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and childhood? Yeah. So I was born in North Platte, Nebraska. Uh, My dad was a pipe fitter for 40 years and my mom was kind of like a stay at home mom. And then she was a TSA agent. And then she worked for the railroad the past 12 years and she's recently tired she moved here I have a big family I have five brothers uh funny story so when I was when my mom was pregnant with me she actually wanted me to be a girl so (laughs) sorry to disappoint you mom but uh yeah so there were six boys in my family uh you know my parents weren't very educated you know they both had high school education I think um you know they kind of ran with the wrong crowd So my parents unfortunately divorced and my dad ended up doing a lot of, you know, mobile odd jobs in the South, you know, places like Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas. So he was kind of absent a big part of my life. So that left my mom raising, you know, six boys by herself and trying to work a job and juggle things. So I kind of fell into the wrong crowd, you know, and 
started doing things I probably shouldn't have been doing, you know, had some run in with police officers and had some run in with law enforcement and things like that. And I didn't really take education too seriously, skipped a lot, had bad grades. Uh, I remember my senior year when I went in to take my ACT, I literally went A, 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 B. Like I just went through it as quickly as possible. When I went to class, I slept like my grade point average when I graduated was 1.88. So I barely graduated high school. And I just remember when I got my high school diploma, I said I wanted nothing to do with school at all. So it is surreal to not only be a teacher, but the state teacher of the year. And I'll find out this month if I'm a finalist for the 2022 National Teacher of the Year. So we are so excited (laughs) for you and we are rooting for you. That is a big, huge, actually, anyone that is not familiar um, with this award, there is a huge interview process that goes into it. Um, There's a video, there's a huge application process. So there's a lot of behind the scenes work. And I was I was fortunate enough to be um, on the committee and do some of that work um, around that just looking at the candidates and um, that was it was just amazing like the work that all of you put into that but so for you to come this far is just it's it's astronomical it's just absolutely phenomenal so congratulations thank you and I will say that is no normal application process uh, I felt like I was in graduate school like I, you really have to have a mission a vision and they're they're different and right. then an objective of what you want to do uh yeah, it was an insane amount of work, but not just amount of work. Like I learned a lot about myself as an educator because it was a lot of self-reflection. So I learned things about myself that I didn't realize. I learned strengths, I learned weaknesses, and it was a really, really cool experience. It really was to go through that application process. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that it shows so much about your character as well that you're willing to say, you know, I didn't have the perfect upbringing because there's so many kids that need to hear that. And I also really appreciate your vulnerability in doing so because you even admitting that, you know, you fell into the wrong crowd and things. I think so often uh, young people think that they make one or two mistakes and that game over. And that's what this podcast is all about is that, you know, second chances are there for a reason and you can turn around, you know, any bad decision in your life at any time that you want to and create the life that you're truly meant to live. So. Yeah, I had more than <laughs> second chances. But I remember in teacher's college when I was applying for my teaching license, I said, you know, are some of my sins from the past going to come back to haunt me? And they're like, oh, no. And I remember getting my teaching license and seeing kids that were kind of like me in the classroom. And I used to say, hey, you know, I've I've been in your shoes. I've ran the streets. I've ran with these crowds. My parents are divorced. My dad was absent a good time in my life. I know what you're going through. Ah, Mr. Perez, you can never know what I'm going through. Oh, and then I tell him my story, and then that's how you kind of make a relationship and build a connection with the kid. And then you can kind of explain to them, hey, like, you have two roads in life. This is the road that I went down, that you're going down, or this is the road that you can go down. Now, you know, eventually I did find success, but it was a rocky road. And if I could go back and do it again, you know, if I could go back in time and do it again, I definitely would have taken the other path because I did have teachers that told me what I tell my students now. And I wish I would have listened. I really would have. So yeah, I think that what makes a good teacher is being able to explain to your students that, hey, even teachers, as wonderful as we are, we're not perfect and we make mistakes. And I think that that is a big key in education today is admitting your mistakes and showing vulnerability. So 
Absolutely. I know I used to always, um, in my classroom, I mean, I would make a mistake and I would be like, see, you know, and it, and it was okay. And I, I do think back on individuals that, um, or teachers that I had, and maybe you had some as well, that yeah. found it very difficult to laugh yes. at themselves yes. or, or admit, uh, you know, that they screwed up. And it's like, <laughs> you have to have a sense of humor because a million different things in the classroom could go wrong at any instant. And so um, the more that you give yourself a break, the more that you're going to build that relationship with the kiddos. And um, so excellent points on all front. Um, I really appreciate this question because uh, obviously you have been such a, a mentor to so many young people. But uh, I am interested who was a mentor to you in your life growing up and how did they inspire you? Uh, two people, really. Um, Mr. Moore, Coach Moore, my basketball coach, him and his family. Like they literally like, <laughs> I can't even imagine just, I can't even imagine my life without them. Like they literally like fed me, took care of me. I mean, I can't even imagine if I had to pay them back all the meals they bought me, it would be literally in the thousands. And then Mr. Cisneros, he was actually um, a person of color, Latino teacher who was my civics teacher in high school. That's back when they called social studies civics. Yeah. You know, when Mr. Cisneros retired, I lived across from the mall and in the mall was a JCPenney's. So just to stay busy, he would go work in the clothing department. I used to just go over to JCPenney's just to talk to him. And I remember him telling me one time, he goes, Lee, you know, management keeps asking about you. So do me a favor, just come in here and buy something and then I can talk to you. So I remember I used to just save up all this money and go in and just buy a pair of socks just so I could talk to him. So uh, Coach Moore, I still talk to you today. After I won Teacher of the Year, I called him and I said, just thank you for everything. And he goes, I'm very proud of you. He actually lives here in Omaha. He teaches math and coaches boys basketball at the Playa Vista High School. And Mr. Cineros, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in many years. Um, if you're out there, Mr. Cineros, thank you. I would love to reconnect if you're still around because you had a really, really important part of my life. So those are two teachers that definitely stick out. There's definitely more, but those are absolutely my top two, for sure. I like to, I love to ask that question. I also love seeing, like, your eyes light up because we are uh, right now in a, in a severe um, nationwide uh, teacher shortage. And so in terms of recruiting, I also just want to say to young people, you know, if, if you're thinking about going into education, you know, Mr. Cisneros and Mr. Moore, the impact that they had yes. on your life that one day you could quite possibly have the teacher of the year, um, you know, saying you completely changed my life and turned that around. And that's really why we go into education. Yes. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. Um, and I love the story about the socks, the JCPenney's. Yeah. Well, and again, those, those were the two, specifically Coach Moore, you know, him and his family were the ones that would always tell me, like, if you do not do this, you know, these are the things that are going to happen. And, you know, like I said, I had more than two chances with them. I mean, it was a, a lot of chances. And I just want to say thank you for that. Because, you know, the fact that I'm here as Nebraska Teacher of the Year is just if you would have asked me that 22 years ago, it would have been like, no, there's no way. There's no way I would have been a teacher. There's no way, let alone State Teacher of the Year, competing for National Teacher of the Year. So the fact that they were in my life, constantly, you know, and honestly, they were really tough on me too, especially Coach Moore. And, you know, sometimes that tough love is what kids need. Sometimes we need to hear things that we need to hear and not what we want to hear. And Coach Moore definitely told me things 
I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. And trust me, there's a huge difference between those two. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yes. That's an awesome story. Um, you know, so we talked a lot about your journey, but when, like, was there one moment in time where you were like, I want to be a teacher? Well, I always liked working with kids. And, you know, like I said, in high school, it wasn't, you know, the greatest journey for me. But, you know, it was kind of like my sophomore year in college. You know, I'd still, you know, I went to North Black Community College. That's why I'm wearing their Shout out Mid Plains. Yeah, Mid Plains. (laughs) Go Knights. And I think that that's important. You know, oftentimes, you know, community colleges just don't get, you know, the respect that they deserve. And I am a proud um, alumni of a community college. And I've seen the beauty that community colleges do. But, you know, it's just like my sophomore year at Mid Plains, you know, I remember going back to Coach's house and he's like, you know, why don't you be a teacher? And I go, well, why would you say that? Well, you know, you've helped me out with basketball camps and you've done this and you seem to be pretty good with kids. It might be something that you would look into. So I was like, okay, I really respected this guy. So I was like, absolutely, I'm going to give it a shot. And well, totally worked out. And when I started, I wanted to do elementary (laughs) education. And I got to say, he's laughing. Elementary (laughs) educations, you're all going to heaven. Like, I just, I remember doing a practicum and I said, you know, I want to be a teacher, but, you know, little kids, it's, yeah, it was like, it was like uh, Arnold in Kindergarten Cop. You know, it was just, it wasn't my thing. And so, you know, Coach Moore was like, you know, why don't you try secondary education? And I was like, okay, I, I can look into that. And the rest is history. It's that I I absolutely appreciate that sentiment because I was I was high school and then I switched to middle school and I thought that was like a huge jump. But then the babies is a whole (laughs) that's a whole new that is for special folks that I would agree with. Yeah, there was a lot of aha moments in (laughs) being in like a kindergarten first grade classroom. Those teachers are phenomenal what they do. It's 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 not for everybody, but bless their hearts for doing it. Yes. And I think that you make an excellent point, too, that as a teacher, you're kind of going to need to maybe try some different things, try out different yes. content areas, yes. try out grade, you know, different grade levels. And yeah. so um, you need to kind of find your niche. Yeah. And, and I initially wanted to be a PE teacher yeah. to begin with. Yeah. So I had looked at different when I went into it, I had looked at different avenues of education, whether it was elementary, secondary, um, you know, I looked at physical education, human growth. And then finally, I just kind of set my goal on social sciences and history. And then I taught for RMR's Magnet Center down in South Omaha for the dual language program for the last 12 years. I did social studies there. And then my wife, who's always been a big advocate in my corner, said, you know, you work with a lot of English learners in the dual program. Omaha Public Schools offers a free ESL endorsement through Concordia University once you pursue that. So I got that and that's when I took the job at Buffett. So I've had several different avenues in education that have been quite honestly fantastic so far. So just enjoying the ride. So enjoy it. Enjoying the journey. Yes. yes. Um, so getting back to the prestigious award of teacher of the year, we congratulate you. Thank you so much. I, I honestly, um, think that this is so impactful for so many reasons. First of all, your story that people need to hear, which is why I'm so grateful that you're here. And then also you being a teacher of color, your advocacy for um, minority populations, for English language learners is unparalleled, is absolutely unmatched. And I think it's something that 
you are going to be able to bring to the forefront. And so um, this is a national competition, and so we're all going to be rooting for you. Um, But what does this honor specifically mean to you? It's big because when I looked at the history of Teacher of the Year since its induction, I believe, in the 1950s, I went through and I noticed a trend, and I noticed there were really no people of color, and I noticed that there were no English language learner teachers that were in, that had won the prestigious toy award. So I said to myself, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give this a go. And I remember contacting some former toys and contacting NSEA and, you know, saying, you know, what, what do you think of this? And they said, go for it. And I remember I was watching Paul Tim, who won it in 2021, a really amazing teacher and actually a good friend of mine now, who's actually my mentor and helping me in the transition phase of teacher of the year. After he won it, I said, you know, I have a lot of things that I want to do. I'm involved and I do all this stuff anyway. Teacher of the year would definitely give me a platform to achieve the objectives that I want to. So I said, why not? So literally I started working on it in November and I just started to craft that application throughout the year. And Paul helped me, Louisa Paloma helped me, Maddie Fennell helped me, Sydney Jensen helped me, like a lot of toys helped me. And I just want to say thank you for that. That was really, really nice of you because the process is rigorous. It can be stressful. And I just remember, you know, last year was, you know, tough with remote learning, hybrid learning, and a little bit of both. It was kind of 50-50 and just kind of an uphill battle. But I just remember thinking, I want to turn it in early. So I remember I submitted it May 19th. And well, kind of like today, I was here early. So I'm just like that. I totally have to make a joke about that because this my good friend Lee. I literally walked. I thought I was doing so good. I was 30 minutes early to the podcast. And he's like, I'm already here. I'm like, that is why you're a teacher of the year, my friend. You deserve this. Like, Yeah. So I submitted it May 19th. I submitted it three months before. But I really ran to diversify basically the toy legacy. I knew that if I won, I would make history on two, well, I'd make history on three fronts. I'd be the first male Latino person of color to win Nebraska Teacher of the Year that was an English language learner teacher. And I made history, but the message that I wanted to send is teachers of color exist and we are out there. So those of you that are out there in the field, please, if you're a person of color, apply for Nebraska Teacher of the Year. I will support you in any way that I can, but I always say, like, I may be the first, but I'm not going to be the last. So that is pretty much one of the main reasons why I applied for Nebraska Teacher of the Year. And I'm glad I did it because now I get to take what I love and what I'm passionate about. And I get to go out and I get to give workshops, professional developments and presentations. And it's just great to be able to go out and spread the things that I love to do with other educators and future educators, too. So, And we are grateful because our students more now than ever need to see themselves reflected. Absolutely, yes. In teachers, I mean, yes. that look like them. Yes. And so, um, I mean, I could even get emotional. I'm sure you could too. Yeah, it's empowering. Thinking about it's it. empowering. It's very empowering. It's very so. empowering to say, hey, there, there's a, there, my teacher <laughs> is Latino and he has a Spanish surname like me and he went to college. He's got a community college degree and he's got a bachelor's degree. I'm six credits, uh, six credits, six classes away from a master's. So, it's empowering to see that, to say, hey, if he can do it and he grew up in the streets and he went through all these troubles with his life, I can do it too. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are going to be rooting and cheering for you all the way. Thank you so. very much. Thank you. Um, if there was one issue that you would like to see change in education, what would it be? 
that is a good question. Just uh, one. <laughs> just one. <laughs> I mean, I guess just I would kidding. just like to see like more respect and less polarization and politi- political you know, just less political, like, negativity in education. Yeah. Like, you know, the misinformation that is being spread right now about teachers and educations and education and things like critical race theory, you know, it's just, it, it just creates division. And one of the questions that was asked in the application is, what is your message if you were to be 2022 Nebraska Teacher of the Year? And I said, kindness should be our new pandemic. And what I meant by that is, Kindness is kind of that great equalizer that can unite us all in a collective community. And I just, I'm just saddened to see just so much division and so much misinformation and so much polarization in education today. And, you know, a lot of times teachers will come up to me and say, you know, yeah, we would like more money. We'd like better pay, but we'd just like to be respected and not have like misinformation spread about the profession. So one of the things I want to go out and do is I want to go out and I want to promote a positive, kind message to try to get the right information out. Not affirmation, but the right information. And there is a difference. And I think that that's going to be key going forward. But I want to do it with, you know, honesty and integrity. But I also want to do it with, you know, collective kindness, too. You know, because at the end of the day, we can all have our disagreements. We can all have our ideologies and we can all have our political affiliations and even our different educational philosophies. But at the end of the day, I think that we can all respectfully agree and disagree on issues and come to, you know, some type of kind agreement or civil agreement. And so that's kind of the message I hope to spread as Nebraska Teacher of the Year and hopefully as National Teacher of the Year. So Absolutely. And I think, honestly, if there's anyone that can do that and can unify us as a, as a collective front, that's you. Um, Thank your you. message, your positivity, your passion, and your love for people. Yeah, and I get that from my kids because, you know, a lot of my students are immigrant, migrant, and refugee students, and that is a collectivist culture, you know, not an individualistic culture. Like, you know, a collectivist culture is really trying to do what's best for the collective community as a whole, and I think that that's kind of the approach that I'm taking as Nebraska Teacher of the Year is not what's good for me, what's good for the collective education community, and that includes parents, students, and, you know, our stakeholders in the community. So, yes. Absolutely. Um, many young people um, are going through obstacles right now in one way or another, and you, you've talked about that, about some of them um, that you went through as a young, as a young person. What is one, um, maybe one of the most difficult or arduous obstacles that you faced, and, and what kind of got you through that? Uh, my first couple years of teaching, and quite honestly, like, you know, right now there's, you know, a lot of, you know, just, you know, education is tough right now. And I see, you know, my colleagues struggling. I see the kids struggling. There's a lot of mental health issues going on right now from the pandemic because we are still in the pandemic. But it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, my first couple of years of teaching was tough. I actually did consider leaving and changing careers. But I just remember, And it kind of relates to what's been going on right now with a lot of people considering leaving. And at the end of the day, people have got to do what's best for them, right? So I would never try to tell somebody, hey, you know, this is what's best for you. People have to look at their own lives and they have to say to themselves, okay, what is best for me? But what I will say to educators and future educators that are in teacher preparation programs, and I spoke at UNO a few weeks ago and I was asked about that Omaha World Herald article. I said, at the end of the day, you know, I remember 
when I was considering quitting and changing careers, I had a conversation with my father and he basically said to me, Lee, no matter what you do in life, there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be challenges, and there's going to be like kind of like a bumpy road ahead, no matter what you do. So I guess my message is, at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you. But no matter what career you choose, whether it's education or whatever, you're going to have challenges, you're going to have obstacles, and you're going to have things that just flat out go wrong. And what I find kind of just saddening and just kind of disingenuous is sometimes I don't understand why the media and social media will focus on education solely. Because if you look at every sector of the economy right now, there is a shortage of everything. So literally, the press could do you know, an article or a news story on any sector of the economy right now, and there's a shortage. And I don't know why they're choosing to do education, but I just want to say that really think about that because, you know, when you decide to do that or if you decide to do that, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is kind of like my dad told me, who was a pipe fitter for 40 years, there is challenges in any line of work that you will do. So don't let that persuade you from not wanting to do what you're passionate about. And I know a lot of good teachers that are super passionate about what they do, but they're having those second thoughts and I've had them too. And so I just want to say, just, you know, hang in there, hang in there because I'm in that same boat too. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love that um, you are willing to go there and you were willing to talk about that because I would maybe add to that and say, but you have to evaluate what other profession are you literally going to have the kind of impact that you have in Absolutely, teaching. It yes. is the greatest yes. profession on the planet. Yeah. You, you literally hold the future in your hands. Yeah. Not being, you know, sing-songy or disingenuous about that. Yes. You literally have yes. the ability to change a child's life, much yes. like the teachers in, in your life that, you know, changed your life for the better. Yes, and another thing I want to say is like, you know, I used to be kind of a naysayer with the union. I wasn't really a big fan. I'm just being transparent. And I used to complain and I used to have colleagues, you know, kind of tell me like, you know, what are you doing to change that? And it was kind of like a, oh man, I just got stumped and I don't really know what to say to that. And now when you look at me, I'm on committees on the local, state, and federal level and I do a lot. So another piece of advice I want to give to people is if you're unhappy with how things are, what are you doing to change that? You know, when's the last time you called or emailed your senator? When's the last time you got on a committee committee and you talked to a state board member or the commissioner of education? Or when's the last time you went to a school board meeting? You know, there's power in advocacy. And, you know, for example, I got to thank, you know, Nebraska Commissioner of Education, Dr. Matt Bloomstead, for forming that teacher advisory committee that I'm on right now. But many of, the, a lot of the stuff that we're kind of seeing right now with like in-service days with the Omaha Public Schools, that was guidance from the Nebraska Department of Education and the commissioner. And I remember when that happened, I would, you know, Facebook and text some of my friends and I said, oh, I remember talking to the commissioner about that and now it's happening. So, you know, sometimes you got to go to those late night Zooms and those late night committees because at the end of the day, change is not going to happen if you don't make it happen. You know, you got to make it happen. And I was really happy to see that. So I just want to say, you know, I look forward to working with Dr. Bloomstead. He's a really great guy and he really wants what's best for public schools. But I mean, he is trying. But, you know, I've learned a lot about just Nebraska law and Nebraska state statute. And there's only so many things that the commissioner and NDE can do with the hierarchy of power and government. And that's why I want to tell people, like, get informed and get involved with things because it will change your perspective of how you look at things. 
Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Get involved. Yes. Take action. Yes. And, and stay stay um, engaged. I Absolutely, think that yes. I think that it's such a, a, one of the things that probably I think we should be the most fearful of is just complacency. Yes. Of just going along with the status quo and this is how it's always been and so this Absolutely. is how it has to be. You have to stay awake to the, your situations and surroundings um, around your profession. And we and we and our committee and you know a lot of I know a lot of the people <clears throat> on that committee we got that committee done being civil with each other. We got that committee done by having our disagreements, but taking our disagreements and trying to say, okay, how do we come to an agreement and figure out how to do not what not just what's best for Omaha Public Schools, but for every school district in the state of Nebraska, from western Nebraska to eastern Nebraska, from Scotts Bluff to Omaha. And yeah, so I mean, I applaud ND and the commissioner for that because, you know, that just his willingness to hear teacher voices and get on these Zooms after he's obviously had a long day. I mean, it means it means a lot. It really does. So it, it makes you feel like you're heard. Yes, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you talked a little bit about this, but um, we want to know a little bit more. You teach English language learners and what are some of the things you're obviously not just passionate about teaching them, but you're also very involved with them personally yes. and, and on a relational basis. Yes. So what are some of the things that you have learned from your students and what do you want others to know about them? Oh, well, English language learners are probably the most humble, sweetest, hardest working groups of kids in the world. I mean, they just, like I said, a lot of sometimes teachers will say, like, I want to bring the world to my students. It's the other way around with me. They bring the world to me. And it is just surreal to see some of these kids and these families, just the trauma that they faced and the horrible obstacles that they've had to go through to get to this country. Just to be here and to, you know, not only experience like just a language barrier, but culture shock. But I mean, I'm not just an English language learner teacher. I'm like just their go to person for everything. Like if they have a problem or, you know, for example, today I'm working on some advocacy with, you know, Douglas County Health because many of the kids have questions in their families about the COVID-19 vaccine and where do we go to get it? And, you know, what do we have to have and what type of paperwork? So I wear many hats as an English language learner teacher, but I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way because a lot of my kids have came to me from war-torn countries and they said, I've had the privilege to be in this country and to get education. You know, I got kids that want to be a doctor, a lawyer, business owner. I had a girl tell me a few weeks ago she wants to be a dermatologist because she said her aunt has some warts that she would like to remove someday. And I love hearing that. It's absolutely great. And some of the universities I'll be speaking with next year, I'm going to try to do some, you know, diversity on-site training to get these kids on co college campuses and to get them exposed to what it's like to be in college. But I absolutely love my job because I'm teaching my kids how to use the English language to not only go out and be good students, but to be good people. And I think sometimes that's more important than being a good student is being a good person. Because if you're a good person, you're going to be a good student. And if you're a good student, you're going to be a good person. And it's just, it's lovely. I absolutely love my job. I, I, I couldn't be happier and I couldn't be more proud of my kids. Kids, if you're watching, love you. You're the greatest, and it has been an honor teaching you, and I can't wait to see what you all do in the future. I see a future president of the United States. I see a Nobel Peace Prize winner. I see 
here for cancer. I really do. Like, they're awesome. They really are. That's awesome. And I bet that means so much to them. Mm-hmm. And that is beautiful. Um, if there was one piece of advice, you know, I, and, and not to fixate on the negative, but this podcast is surrounded Absolutely. around um, addressing issues like mental health, awareness, and anti-bullying and suicide prevention. Um, and we do know that these are all issues that are affecting young people right now. If yes. there was one piece of advice that you were to give a young person going through a difficult time right now, what would it be? What would you say to them? You know, I've been... <clears throat> my father came to this country to seek a better life, him and his family. Okay. And they... It was a rocky road. And, um, you know, it's sometimes it's very difficult to talk about. But all I would just say is just, you know, every day is a new day. You know, every day is a fresh start. And, you know, just life does get better. You know, I am living proof that, you know, my father's immigration history here was tough. It was not easy. It was faced just with a lot of hate, bigotry, intolerance, um, racism, and things like that. So what I would just say is just know that I'm living proof that you can make it through the day and that you can grow up and you can have a very, very successful life, even though it's a bumpy road. And sometimes I know it's easier said than done because, you know, Oftentimes we want to we want to dwell on the negative, but I always try to look at the positives in my life. And I just want to say that you know, even though it was a tough life, it taught me one thing, and that's perspective. And perspective is important because you know, without perspective, you can't honestly know what a lot of these kids are going through. And truthfully, you know, when the pandemic happened, you know, I went through some trauma and I went through some, some you know um, depression and things like that, and you know, it's tough because the first time I met my kids was during remote learning. And that was difficult to do because I was like literally shaking and I didn't know what to do. But I said to myself, I have to put on a face right now and I have to reassure them that they're going to be okay. And so all I want to say is like, if you're out there and you're struggling, find someone to talk to. It's okay to not be okay. You're a human being, you have emotions, but just know that you matter and that you will make it through the day, and I am living proof of that. My family's living proof of that. So, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was getting emotional too. So that because sometimes you have to do it afraid, right? You have to do it afraid to be an example for your kids and for the people that are going to go um, after you. Yeah. So, and you are living proof of that. Um, if you had one major goal. And I know it's hard because you've got a lot of them and because I respect you so much and I know your initiatives and your agenda. But if someone told you that you had to pick one goal for 2022 for Teacher of the Year, what what would you like to accomplish? What would like be? I would like to see the recruitment and retainment of more teachers. And I know that my goal is to recruit a more diversified teaching workforce. And that is one of my objectives. I have three objectives and that is one of them. But I just want good quality teachers that will come in the classroom and that will love kids and give good instruction. And notice how I said loved kids and give good instruction and not the other way around because kids have got to know that they matter and that they're loved before you can actually teach them the curriculum that they need to know. And trust me, I've tried it the other way and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And literally the first couple of weeks in my classroom, it's cultural diversity team building. I get to know these kids, they get to know me. And once they 
factor in and they build that trust and that personal connection, that's when the academic success happens. I mean, first year I went to Buffett, I mean, I was able to almost exit half the program. I got 42% of the kids out of the program. And I did that by building relationships first and then the academics and not the other way around. And I think that that's very key. And it's especially relevant and important now with just all the mental health and the trauma and the depression going on right now in our schools. So Absolutely. That I have no doubt that you're going to accomplish that as well. Thank you. Um, so I hate to say this, but we are towards the end of our interview. <laughs> um, it's seriously cannot wait um, to see what you're going to do, what you already have done. You're an inspiration to so many. Um, where can our viewers and our listeners follow you, support you, um, be it on social media, um, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera? Um, what's kind of a plug for you? So right. People so can um, you? Twitter handle is at language Perez, and I'm working on my website right now. I not really tech savvy, so I'm getting lots of help on that right now. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. You know, I, I officially start my Teacher of the Year duties in 2022. I've already started doing some speaking things, and this is my first podcast. That's really we cool. Are I'd so like to do honored. it. Again. Yeah, we're gonna have. Yeah, we're yeah. Gonna have you back in, in addition, it's gonna be busy because with the speaking engagements and teaching full time and things like that, you know, I am the. NSCA Teaching of Excellence Award winners, so I'm automatically Nebraska's nominee for the National Education Teaching of Excellence Award, so I have to work on my application for that, which is due May 3rd. So next year is going to be busy, but, you know, being busy is kind of a blessing. It really is because, you know, like I said, there is a lot of things that need to be fixed right now, and I just want to say that, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, I want to go back to normal, and I kind of don't really like that word normal because, you know, before the pandemic, there was inequities. The poor, before the pandemic, there was poverty. Before the pandemic, there were, you know, issues with, you know, kind of like a teacher shortage and teacher pay and things like that. And so I want to go back to a normal where kids aren't hungry, a normal where kids aren't homeless, you know, a normal where racism and intolerance is a bad thing and where kids feel loved and cared for, and where teachers are respected and paid the salary that they're deserved as professionals. So that's the normal I want, and that's the normal that I'm going to try to fix. So when people say normal, I say, well, I have my definition of normal, and it's completely different than that. So, yeah. Well, um, I just have to say, honestly, that I do not hand out compliments uh, easily, and oh, that I you. honestly feel that if there is one person that can change the trajectory of education for the better, it'll be you. Yes. And Thank we're you so much. all behind you. Thank and you. Um, once again, please follow um, Lee Perez, Nebraska Teacher of the Year, um, making huge changes in the educational arena and policies, and also just someone with an exceptional heart. So. Thank you for being here with thank us Thank you today. so much. Yes, thank Seriously. you. Seriously, <laughs> um, Lane uh, and Lee Perez signing off on Education with an Edge. Uh, please make sure to su subscribe. We are on all major uh, podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitler. Um, and here's to a brand new year um, full of excitement and blessings coming your way. Thanks. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to jaquellelane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Huda Media Production.